0: The Mix Room with Janellek.
1: Today's podcast guest is Christopher Manhi, an independent researcher, award-winning composer and pioneer in the realm of immersive audio. As a Latin Grammy winner, his musical prowess has been celebrated on a global stage, and his compositions have been honoured at prestigious festivals such as Sundance and Cannes. He's also the founder of Omni Sound Lab, a production and research studio in Chile that serves as a hub for exploring the possibilities of immersive audio. Hi Christopher, welcome onto the podcast. How are you doing today?
0: Hey Alice, good to hear you. I'm fine, you?
1: Yes, really good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining. Um, I know you've been traveling a lot lately, haven't you? So where are you today? Are you at home or are you traveling elsewhere?
0: Oh, yeah, it's been a crazy years. these last three years, I'll say. Um, pretty immersive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nowadays, I'm um, in Chile, yeah, in South America. Um, yeah, we're developing our studio nowadays, so I'll, my plans are to be here at least for a few months.
1: Okay, is that what you're mainly working on at the moment? Fixing up the studio and getting that ready.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, now that we opened the studio, it has been like pretty impressive how fast everything has been evolving. So um, it's pretty nice to come here to Chile, to South America, uh, to you know try to develop this kind of um, new mediums to working audio and with different uh, artists but not also institutions you know festivals mm-hmm. uh, has been pretty exciting and to see and be part of this kind of it really feels like a, a revolution like something really new really fresh so it's it's pretty nice to see that here in Chile in South America people it's also uh, very interesting to this kind of technologies.
1: Yeah there's a lot going on and a lot to explore as well but before we get more into that side of things I wanted to just um hear a little bit about your background like when did you first get into the world of music did you always want to be a composer for instance
0: yeah um so I'll say I started playing guitar as a child like when I was 13 14 something like this just playing with my friends you know nice uh trying to be like a rock like our favorite rock bands Mm -hmm. you know and these kind of things. But then uh, I always was, was super interested into music theory. So I started studying music theory um, by myself. Uh, then I went to the university. I spent one year on the uni, and then I realized that uh, that wasn't my path. So I decided to, instead of uh, studying a career, like to make a career. Uh, that meant to for me to move from Chile to Mexico which for the Latin American uh, environment, it's a very good land, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, they have a very strong culture for music, for yes, art, yes. And, and yeah, you know, there are many artists and, and things happening there and it's a beautiful country. People is so nice. So I had the the pleasure and the good luck to move there when I was 20. So from that moment, um, I start working uh as a professional because I had to pay my bills yeah. and um yeah, I start my 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 thing was like uh, learning by doing, you know, so I started learning more about engineering and producing music because uh as I was a guitar player, I toured a lot with many bands and like a musician for other artists. But then I start um, recording, uh, producing. So engineering in this, all of these kind of things were super interesting for me. Um, So yeah, I started working in some studios and recording for some other um, artists now and composing. So also this was more like a... a new way to you know uh, explore what uh, kind of things I would like to do with music Mm. Uh, you know so from that moment I start integrating more uh, the use of technologies because of this
1: yeah okay that makes sense and um, of course today we fast forward to now you're, you're a Latin Grammy winner so what was that for what did you win for
0: yeah, actually, that was because uh, of an album I recorded in Mexico for a Mexican artist called uh, Carla Morrison. Um, it's it's a funny story because we were a kind of collective that live in the same neighborhood in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. So we were all emerging artists, you know. And uh, let's say uh, we were living in the same area and then someone from friends come into the neighborhood someone from colombia someone from south africa someone from argentina etc so if i play guitar i will play guitar with you for your project right mm-hmm. if you know how to record music then uh, you will record my music so in this whole uh, environment of uh, artist uh, i was the one of the few that knew how to record and to produce music you know uh, most of of uh, them were artists, musicians, pure composers, mm-hmm. um, songwriters. So one of those was were Carla. And as I told you, it was like a very collaborative project, you know. Um, so it was literally recorded in our apartments, uh, And then we finished some other stuff in in the studio, The Last Touches, but was a very homemade album. And we were recording while we were recording, we were saying like jokes, you know, like recorded in the restroom and we're like, okay, let's go for the Grammys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then like one year after the Carla became super, super uh viral in in that by the time that things are still not we, we didn't have this viral concept, but um word of mouth, I'll say. Yeah. So everyone started talking about her because she's so good uh and then we got these emails like hey congratulations you are nominated for this um record like best uh, alternative record of the year best album of the year best song of the year then four categories and i my first impression was like what is this you know it's <laughs> that's, it's, it's it's weird because no nobody uh, on this crew or on this team had a relation with this, with the academy or something like this but then we realized the manager uh, of Carla and their, their record, record label, Cosmica, um, they, they made the entry for, for the album. And we were super surprised because suddenly we, we had four nominations for Latin Grammys mm-hmm. and we got two of those. We won two. And then we were nominated to the U.S. Grammys, too, with the same album so from that moment for all of us involved in that project uh doors start opening uh in the music industry so i would say that was a pretty important moment where we moved from like very unknown uh, people in the music industry to be to start being something someone you know Um, yeah it was incredible because we we were not thinking about it and we had, like, in the same nominations, artists like, I don't know, Cayetano Veloso, artists like are legends. And so suddenly we were there and it was incredible, Yeah.
1: So do you, personally, did you get a Grammy? And if so, where do you keep them?
0: Yeah, the studios are in the studio. Oh, in, <laughs> in the December. studio, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. <laughs> well, sometimes yeah, you ask people it. and
1: they say, some people keep them in the toilet or they don't want to display them, you know, in funny places. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I was pretty young when when we had the the Latin Grammys. Uh, I, I was twenty four, uh, so by that time, for me, it, it was something like very incredible. But with the the upcoming years, then I start understanding what was the meaning of getting a Grammy. You know, yeah. Um, of yeah so. Uh for me it it wasn't never something like whoa now I'm a Grammy winner and something like this. For me it was literally like a, to have a medal or like a diploma, you know? Yeah because in in parallel, my friends from school, you know, in back in Chile, uh they were finishing their careers on the university and they were getting their degrees, right? Mm. So for me, it was like, OK, I'm 24. This is my degree. This two, is my two diploma. Two
1: Grammys. Great. You're good to go.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good to go. <laughs> I love
1: that. An alternative to, you know, going to university and getting the, the certificate. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Shinier yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about immersive audio. So, of course, you're very involved with that. So today, you're a pioneer in the realm of immersive audio. So, when did you first become interested in the possibilities that immersive audio presents? When did that first interest you?
0: Yeah. Um, so this started happening by 2008 and uh, 2009, especially, and was uh, something very, very It was like a revelation for me, Uh, something super simple, like, uh, I don't know if you hear about this uh, social movement and the strikes we had in Chile in 2019, where most of the people went to the streets, you know, because we had a very, very tough time uh, in in related with politics, you know, Uh, so we all went, like, in a very peaceful uh, mood to manifest ourselves like a demo right Uh, and in the Latin American culture there is something very uh, characteristic uh, which is a sound we make when we go to the streets it's called Mm cacerolazo cacerolazo it comes from cacerola which is like a pan so you hit a pan with a spoon or with something you know so when I was on the on these strikes, uh, I was just uh, kind of listening on what was happening and trying to listen all of this environment that was happening there, and how powerful was like the message through these sounds, because there were like thousands of people walking on the streets, uh, hitting the pans with the spoons or wherever. And then I was, I start, I remember, I was start reflecting like, uh, how important, how powerful could be like a sound, how much information does it have, you know, and, and it's just a pen, you know. Mm. So um, then I start listening, and I, I remember that exact moment that I start realizing that I close my eyes to listen, and then start listening sounds uh, all around me on three hundred and sixty degrees. And then I was like, what? It's like, wow, I realized, like, the mundo, the, the world was not stereo. Yeah. <laughs> the world, okay. the, the, the natural listening is on 360 degrees. And, and it's funny because I always say, like, it took me, like, 30 years to realize that we listen on 360 degrees and not in a stereo, you know? It's mm-hmm. like a funny revelation, you know? And then I, I say, like, wow, this is so, so, so strong, like, um, of course, this sounds uh, kind of simple, but was very deep <clears throat> because then I was. By that time, I study. I also studied theater. Um, I'm very interested in this in this art too, and there is a um, concept on theater. It's called the fourth wall. So the fourth wall it means when uh, the play is happening in the theater and the actors. Uh, break this fourth wall and they start talking with the audience Mm -hmm. right and you start feeling very awkward and uncomfortable yeah (laughs) it's strange isn't it when that
1: happens
0: yeah you don't want the actors or the actress talk to you right and and but that uh i went to the few plays in new york when i was living there and they were totally into that mood so there is a play called sleep no more that actually is from a company from UK. And um, it, it's all about like you interacting with the piece. So you are free to discover the space, uh, following the actors, getting to different rooms. It's inspired in Macbeth of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So you you go by yourself walking through this building, which is an old um, hotel. Or like four floors, so you just walk around and you are you you have to figure out what is happening. Nobody's telling you this is what is happening. this is you know the characters you have to discover this, and for me, that meant a lot because by the time I already had like ten years producing uh on the music industry, and I was feeling like the format of playing, producing and distributing music became a bit saturated, you know, especially with the digital era. So ha, I was thinking with all of this that I told you, like, how can we give uh, to the, our audiences and to ourselves as creators experience where we are all involved on the artistic experience? How can we give this message of the creation, of the inspiration, of, you know, the, the narrative but through space, not just uh, having this uh, uh, unidirectional message, which is commonly seen in uh, music, let's say, when the artist is over the stage mm-hmm. and then it's the audience just in front. So you're just like a consumer, you know, uh, just getting this message, but you don't have a dialogue with the piece of art or the artist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, inspired by this kind of uh, experiences in my life, I start uh, looking for um new ways, in this case technologies, to try to develop this kind of concepts. And yeah, that's how I start uh, studying um audio from a new perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I made um some studies on uh, soundscape and acoustic ecology. To go a little bit more deep on how we classified sounds, so Murray Sheffer, which is from Canada, is the the one who coined the the term soundscape, which for me by that time was like okay, soundscape is like a like a landscape of sounds, but soundscape is actually a very specific term, mm-hmm. like for com- coming from science, right? Um, so that was very uh, inspiring to me to start. Trying to understand the different uh, species of sounds and how we are influenced by this kind of sounds. We live uh, under ocean of sounds, and he, he talks about the tuning of the world. It's a beautiful, beautiful book that I really recommend. It's called The uh, Soundscape from Murray Chaffer. Um So all of this uh, start uh, start um, creating in, in, into uh, into my thoughts like. Uh, how can, can I trespass this uh, experience, this information through sound? How can we discover then maybe just a song through space? What if I can display a song where all of the elements are not just in two dimensions, but what if I walk through space, I can discover the song uh, through space?
1: Okay. And from your perspective as a composer, this must be so interesting to you as well. You know, what are the possibilities that Dolby Atmos presents when it comes to orchestrating immersive audio, um, you know, compositions for crowds?
0: Yeah, exactly. So the thing is like now with uh, tools like Dolby Atmos, you integrate the space as an element to develop your narratives, right? Right. Because, as I told you, you can just uh, make an installation uh, and people can come inside this installation or this sonic environment where you can just move around and discover these elements, right? So let's say you and I uh, assist to the same um, installation and you uh, start walking from the left side and I start walking from the right side and we move in uh, opposite directions. So we have we are having, um, uh, de- we are in the same um, environment, but we both will have unique experiences because uh, of the movements of uh, ourselves. We will start discovering uh, the peace from inside. So maybe when we catch up later, you're going to tell me like, Hey, Chris, uh, did you realize these birds or, whatever and i'll say no what what kind of birds you're talking i i, I was uh, close to the uh, rain rainforest uh, there were some uh, rivers and some this kind of stuff or i found out this kind of sounds that were you know so the thing is like to give to the audience to uh, uh, uh the opportunity to be curious to discover by, by themselves not just to give uh, the whole result like this is the thing get it, take it, you know. Mm -hmm.
1: And um, of course, you're the the founder of Omni Sound Lab. So this is a production and research studio and venue that serves as a hub for exploring the possibilities of immersive audio. So why did you decide to create this space? And tell me a bit about what goes on inside of Omni Sound Lab.
0: Yeah, um, so Omni Sound Lab, it um, has three lines nowadays uh, of development. We have the first one. It's uh, the Dolby Atmos production for the music industry, where we are working, of course, directly with artists, with uh, independent and major labels, with distributors. So, of course, we love to produce uh, music catalog, like back catalog or uh, the new singles, the new releases. Uh, has been very nice because now we can offer this service to uh, everyone who would like to uh, get their music into this format. Then the second line, it's, um, we are not just a studio, but also a venue, a gallery, a sound gallery. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, yeah, the studios, the recording studio has been, uh, sometimes a very close space. And I've, I've been realizing that, uh, there are so many people that love music, but they also would like to understand how music is made and to have access to the place the music is created. I mean, I will say most of the world would love to get into Abbey Road, you know, to see what's happening there, how the Beatles recorded, how the process are made. So we decided to implement this concept and to give a new vision on how these creative spaces could be. And nowadays we have a space like we can host up to 30, 40 people in cushions. But uh, the logic is uh, during the day, we are a production studio. Uh, We research, we produce, we are always um, uh, having something from uh, or collaborators, or producing our own pieces. Um, but, uh, let's say by night, we can host events. So, um atmos releases for labels or artists. Um, we just uh, had the last weekend, the first uh, result of a residency of artists that went to our studio and they are audiovisual artists. So they mapped the whole studio Uh, with uh, projectors and lights. Mm -hmm. So it felt like a planetarium, you know, but for 30 people. So it was like a very, very nice experience with this beautiful ambient music. Uh, And we also have been um, hosting some events for uh, other clients like Universal Music, where we had the pleasure to be the home for the um, release of the latest Beatles song now and then
1: yes i so, saw this that must have been incredible
0: it was a totally a truly honor like to be uh to have the opportunity to work with universal music in some way with the beatles so as we have this uh studio which is a um, 714 uh dolby atmos studio with genelec um, but we can also host people. We, we produce a whole uh, concept and experience for people to come uh, because we also have another studio, which is an atmos theatrical uh, production studio for cinema. So people can uh, come into the space. We have a little lunch in the entry. So then people came to the um, uh, theatrical studio to watch the documentary on how the music uh, and the production was made you know this with Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr and then people could come to uh, our Atmos music studio to listen the song in both the stereo and Atmos so this was very very nice so these are like in-house productions but then uh, we also make and produce uh, external um events Uh, where we can bring our general system or we can just uh, bring some other um, uh, systems uh, to implement our installations. So we have been producing events for um, museums, for music festivals, uh, fairs, and lots of things, you know, not just in Chile, but in Mexico, in the U.S., in Barcelona, in Berlin, too, in Leipzig, we have the Bright Festival, Yeah, so that's the second line of the studio. And we just, this week, we just released the third line of development of the studio. And as I told you, we can host many people. So we are now, we are probably now uh, the the official partners for the Dolby Institute in Chile. So um, we are able to certify professionals in Dolby Atmos so it's our educational aspect uh, in the studio so we can produce we can we can produce music we can research we can produce events but now we can also teach and spread the word about these emerging technologies
1: okay so that sounds like there's a lot going on there so how has atmos taken off in chile
0: atmos in chile has been uh has been like like a very Let's say from one day to another, I think it was globally, like everyone starts talking about Atmos, mm. you know? And even if we still don't have like the, let's say like the cars, because now the car industry uh, is is getting this, this technology, which is fascinating. Uh, I think uh, in Chile, people is very interested in to develop this uh, concept, you know? Like um, in the beginning was a, a bit slower. But now it's like everyone is talking about it, so it has been very very fun for us.
1: Okay, great. And um, of course, Dolby Atmos in live music venues and installations is becoming a big talking point at the moment. Where you know, as the technology catches up. So, what are your views on how this could transform the live music experience?
0: It's totally our thing. I'll say uh, one of the things we liked more is to bring these experiences. Um, Live, so I really think that this this will open many opportunities for artists to create new concepts. Of course, we have the massive events like you know stadiums and these kind of things, but uh, I think each day I- I've been getting feedback on from artists and audiences how much they love this more intimate experience. Mm-hmm. You know, not that crowd, especially after the the thing we had a few years ago, the pandemic, right? Mm. Uh, so people, it's, it's it's like we all want to feel maybe more quiet, not that crowd. Of course, music festivals will be there forever. But now this technology gives us the opportunity to have um, a, a different experience. Um, you have uh, amazing venues uh, coming out there in different parts of the world. Um, and it's totally the thing we really like to do. So we have been producing many things for, as I told you, in different countries, but uh, I'll say like um, there are many more venues and theaters adopting this concept so they can implement this to their shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we are just starting. As the massive adoption keeps growing, this will become more like a even like a requirement for artists that they just like to play in this kind of format.
1: Okay. And are you doing a lot of work on that side of things at the moment?
0: Yeah, exactly. Because uh, of course, nowadays I'm leading the studio, but also as an artist, I have my own concept and I like to play in this environment. Mm -hmm. For me, my performances are always on immersive environments. So we always take care about the system design, the implementation, so the studio in that way uh, works uh, for this to design this whole system to implement these technical writers and me as an artist I can play this. So has been very interesting because in this path I've been meeting uh, amazing people uh, like the guys from Monom in Berlin like Eric Horstman from Immersive Lab um, and the team from LED Pulse uh, where we made a perfect match because uh they were thinking the same than us but on visuals so they develop uh, volumetric 3d displays for visuals so when we merge and we produce events uh, you can experience not just 3d audio but also 3d visuals in a common space mm-hmm. shared uh, or an uh, artist and audiences share the same space yeah um if you're interested, you can check it out in our Instagram and our social media. We have beautiful clips about these experiences, and we're developing some cool stuff for this year, too. Okay.
1: And I know the studio, you've got a 7.1.4 Genelec, the one setup in there, haven't you? So why did you pick those particular monitors?
0: Uh, since I started in music, the first time I listened uh the Genelec speakers, I fell in love. Uh, but as I've been traveling all over uh, there, uh, I, I didn't have like a, a studio in one place, so I was always working and producing in different studios. And now, I, as I opened this studio, it was like a like a I, I didn't have a doubt that I didn't I, I would like to have the Genelik system on our studio. Um, so Genelic for me is probably one of the best companies in the world not just because of the 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 sounds or on the story they have but also the i had the pleasure to travel to finland they invited me uh last year to isalmi where mm-hmm. they have their their headquarters and it was really really interesting because it was like a um, very like immersion <laughs> into this uh fabric uh, with uh, like a willy wonka uh, story you know mm-hmm. uh it was really really nice to see how uh things were made to understand the technology from inside and I really realized how much uh love they, they put into the production honestly uh the guys over there are really thinking forward and not just to sell more speakers it's really not their their, the 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 their, 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 their their philosophy, but they really want to make things better. And you can hear that on their products, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Genelecs are just so good. Um, the technology is so, for people like me, it's, it's so smart, you know, like we've been doing live installations with Genelec last year, we had an event in a cultural center called Monopol. Um, so, uh, We brought this uh, general exam 8351 uh, to this space, which is an old industrial abandoned space, like very Berlin style. Uh, So the space was huge, you know, like very high and lots of reverberation and resonance and stuff, which I love uh, for live installations, because then you need to understand how to collaborate with this architecture. You cannot fight against it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you will lose, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so it's to embrace the sound of the spaces and understand how to work uh, with with it. But the good thing is, like Genelec, they have this GLM uh, calibration system, which yeah. is the best tool ever. You can just place a microphone in a in a in a sweet spot or in an area, moving the mic uh, all over the area, you want to calibrate to create a sweet spot, but a bigger space. And in just few minutes, you will have your whole system calibrated, and you record this information directly to your speakers. And voila, that kind of things for as it uh, for us, um, it's just magic, you know. Because back in the day, you will need few hours to do something like this, and now with just few clicks you are ready to go.
1: Mm, Absolutely. And um, what is it about the Genelecs that gives you the confidence in all aspects of all the immersive work that you do?
0: Yeah. um, The first time I've listened to an immersive environment uh, built with Genelec was actually with Eric Horstman on his studio. It's a beautiful studio designed by Coast Design in Berlin. And he has this 714 uh, studio. And he was super, super, super nice with me, Invited me to the studio. We just uh, catch up through Instagram. I wrote him because I've listened to some of his work. And I said, like, hey, man, your work, it's amazing. Uh, congrats. And he invited me to his studio. So first time I listened to his mixes on his studio, I was pretty, pretty impressed. Pretty impressed, like... It's almost like you can touch or you can see the different layers of sound mm. moving through space, you know. And I I, I had the luck to compare different uh, immersive audio systems, you know. And I I'll say nowadays technology uh, has been improved so much that most of the manufacturers uh, have very cool uh, stuff, but with Genelec is something always something else, you know. It's like they have something like emotional on their sound. And I really love that. So in that moment, I say, okay, this is the system we want to in (laughs) But So we basically brought to Chile uh, the same setup Eric has on his studio and has been great, has been working really, really great.
1: Brilliant. That's excellent to hear um all right then christopher i want to thank you for joining us on this podcast today to tell us all about yourself and the studio and what you're working on Uh, it's been really really interesting so thank you so much for taking the time
0: thank you alice it was a pleasure and thank you for, for having me and having us with the studio
1: okay all right thank you very much then i'm gonna let you go bye bye
0: headliner radio supporting the creative community